Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Today's scripture is from Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, grab them and open up to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, if you're in the New Testament, is the fifth book. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, and then it'll be Acts. So the book of Acts. I want you to think of the most lonely time in your life. Yay for Max. The most lonely time must have been junior high, as you heard earlier. But I want you to think of your most empty, nauseous time, because that's what it feels like when you're lonely. Uh, Summer 1992 was mine. Uh, I had graduated college. I had um, had a girlfriend and left and was going to be gone for about three plus months. I was going to go travel Europe. Uh, I, was gonna do, I was going with our university to do missions work in Russia. And then from there, we were able to travel around. And afterwards, I just went and traveled. And then there was a, a surf tour over there. So I was going to try to do that one. And supposedly, they got paid over there. And you didn't have to be as good. So that was right up my alley. So I was like, oh, let's do that. And my buddy came out. And um, he he's, was one of my good friends and a very unique guy. So he flew out, and uh, so I picked him up from Frankfurt, Germany, Germany, and we got one of those little, I don't even know what they call them because they're not like our cars. I, I mean, if I said the name of it, if I could remember it, you wouldn't know it anyways. Uh, but it was a small, little, tiny car. I don't mean cool, cute car like a Citroen or a Cooper. I mean like the smallest Ford, simple, whatever. And we've got surfboards and bodyboards and all that on this car. So we go, we surf, but then it ends, and I've got to take him back. So we went out to the coast, which is about six hours away. We were in France, and then I had to drive him back to Frankfurt, and I didn't really remember this. I was going through one of my friends. He goes, oh yeah, remember he stuck you with the bill for this and this and this and this, and I was like, no, I forgot about that. Let's just add that to all of the pain of that time. So he told me about that. So I dropped him off in Frankfurt, Germany, and it's like, later, And then I got in the car. Everybody's speaking a language, don't understand. And then I'm just driving down the Autobahn by myself. It was, I felt physically sick because I was so alone. I was nauseous. I'm driving down the Autobahn. I mean, there's these really fast cars, normal cars blowing by me. And I'm going, you know, 45 down the Autobahn crying. Uh, And I couldn't figure out why I was crying. I was just so lonely. It was like everything was stripped away. I couldn't call anybody. This is pre-cell phone, pre-email. There's no distractions. I could turn on the radio, but it was horrible music. The car was so cheap. I couldn't distract myself with tapes. Yeah, because this is pre-CDs. So I couldn't put tapes in because we couldn't even afford that as an upgrade. So I'm just driving and thinking of everything that's missing and then just knowing that things were missing. 
That's the context for what's happening here this morning in Acts 1-8. That lonely feeling as if the person that's closest to you or anyone and there's nobody there now. They're leaving. Let's look here at Acts 1-6. While the apostles were still Jesus, they asked him, Lord... Are you now going to give Israel its own king again? Now the background here is that Jesus already died, risen again, and he's been with him for 40 days. This is day 40. So we talked a few weeks ago about Jesus' last words before he died. It is finished. Acts 1.8, one of the verses that we want you to memorize, are his last words here on earth, ever. But we have to understand the context by which this happens. So these disciples, they know he's leaving. And they say, are you now going to give Israel its own king again? Which means, are we, is the kingdom going to be restored? The stress is starting to build up in them. Because they know that Jesus is now going to go. They know that they've arrived in Frankfurt. And now they've got to drive the six hours for the rest of their life by themselves. That's what it feels like. I want you to imagine when you were a child or if you have children. And your parents go and they start putting on their coats and they're walking out the door. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? Now, I'm not talking the, the junior high or the high school. like, oh, thank God, my parents are leaving. I mean, when they're younger and they're like, wait, where, where are you going? Where, like that fear as if you're never going to come back and you're the adult going, come on, relax. Why are you so dramatic? Can you tell I've had this conversation before? And so the kids are on the floor and they see the parents grabbing the jackets and they're going out and they're going to wonder these three questions. You're going to be asked these questions or you've asked these questions in terms of kids and parents. Whoa, where are you going? Number two, when are you coming back? And then wait, who's going to stay with us? Because you're leaving, you're not really trusting us. I mean, I'm six. You're, you're, who's going to be with us? That's what these disciples are struggling with. They, that's that reality. They are basically feeling and thinking these same questions. We can get so caught up in these scriptures we're memorizing that we don't take the temperature of the room. And what's happening here is they're feeling that, that, that tug of, wait, you're leaving now. Like you left once, then you came back. I see you putting on your coat. Things are changing. Where are you going? When are you coming back? And who's going to stay with us? That's the context for this. And it's appropriate for us. Because the scariest times in your life are going to be when you feel alone. Notice I emphasize feel alone. That sense that not only, forget about just the relationships with other humans, but God, where are you? Where are you going? When are you coming back? And who's staying with us? Because it, it, this is not a good feeling I have here. As I was wrestling with this and thinking of the different things that we go through, and especially thinking about our church and thinking about the extended church and then thinking about my friends and family, and I look at certain situations. I have good friends that are dealing with horrible illnesses. And I'm thinking, Lord, where are you? What? When are you coming back? I remember when I was at my sickest point, I couldn't tell my family this, but I was like, Lord, can you just take me home? Because this hurts too bad. 
And I've got friends dealing with that. I was hugging one yesterday and just staring into her eyes and knowing the pain that she was dealing with every day. Not just the physical pain, but because of that physical pain, then she said, you know, I just don't want to be around other people, and I can't. I've had to be forced into retirement. And you could just see that, that she was feeling alone. We have other situations, tragedies. Um, we have a couple close people in our lives that have gone through tragedies. And you look at that and knowing the family that's surrounding them, I'm not even them and my heart is like broken in half. And it's like Martin Luther King Jr. I'm like, Lord, how long? How long? That's the temperature of the room right now with these disciples is they're talking to Jesus. Like, what's going on here? What's happening? Where are you going? Who's going to be with us? Because it, it's starting to feel very lonely now because we know what's coming. We've been through this before and you're saying this is, you're going. We have um, some good friends that are struggling personally with mental illness. People that we know, people that I've walked with for years and their brain is just not working correctly. They can't see things correctly. They can't feel things correctly. And then the pain that those close to them are going through, realizing that things have changed. And they want to be there, but they don't know what to do, and they're asking the same question, Lord, how long? How long? And then some of us with our finances and our relationships, and some of us are in marriages right now where we feel alone. Maybe because of our own doing, maybe because of some situation, or we're just not getting what we want, or our children, or our children are looking at our parents going, where are you? Or some of you grew up in that kind of situation where you're thinking, how can my parents possibly do this? Any, any Disney movie you ever see, they try to get the big themes of life. So they suck us all in. So I saw Moana for the first time last night. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, my kids are kind of too old to really care, but they all sat down and watched it and pretend like they didn't care. And we all watched it. And I'm bawling throughout the movie. And they have this one scene where... Moana, I mean not Moana, but the guy Maui, the big guy, turns around. He's had all these tats, and they're tattoos of his life. And there's this one tattoo of this lady throwing this child out, and it's him being abandoned by his parents who didn't want him. Why'd they do that? Because they know how many of us feel that way. Whether your parents actually threw you out, we may feel that way. Whether it's true or not, that's the way we feel. This is, this is life. We yearn for God's presence in the midst of these questions. And that's when Jesus steps in. Right after they ask the question, he says this. Because they're asking, you know, details. And he says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But then, then this is the core this is the verse we want you to memorize. Now this, this verse, I don't want to show it yet because I want to make sure we go through the other verses because obviously you've been memorizing these verses, right? Yeah, you have that look. I get it. It's like you're in class and you're like, don't call on me. So get ready. I'm about to call on you right now. But I'm calling on all of you at the same time. And let's see if you can do it without looking at the screen. And if you have to cheat, go ahead. But we want these verses to be in your heart because we need them. We need God's voice, and this is his voice. So, 
Some of you might have memorized it differently. I'm going to go with how I've memorized it, but Matthew 22, 37 through, through 39. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. See how I added the other one? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if we kept going and say, all the law and the prophets hang on this. Okay? The next verse we memorized was Mark 10, 45. I know you're looking over there. I ain't putting it up. I ain't putting it up. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Am I the only one? I'm the only one. All right, so you got some work to do because then we got another verse coming, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I've memorized this differently than the version that we gave you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Are you guys ready? <laughs> you don't have that look of confidence right now. It's like finals and you're like, what? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. And then... Um, this week, this is what verse we have. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall or you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. Those are his words. In the midst of this loneliness, in the midst of this sadness, he's saying this to them. But you will receive power. Uh, I don't really want power. I want you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It comes upon me. That sounds a little freaky. No, I want someone next to me. I want someone here. I want you. You're leaving. Who's staying with us? And then you will be my witnesses. Wait, I don't want to work right now. Don't you understand? I'm in no condition to be doing anything because of what's going on inside of me. And yet you're giving me a job, but you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem? We're in Jerusalem. Everybody hates us here. We're enemies to everyone. You're telling me I've got to like be with people here that want to kill me, that are angry at me, they're angry at you, so now they're angry at me and all of us? Do you not, Jesus, do you sense the temperature in the room here? Can you see our faces? Do you know what we're dealing with? And this is what I want to say to us. Regardless of what you're feeling now or what you will feel, because you will feel that, that sense that you are alone, God is giving his promise here to those who follow him, to have surrendered their lives to him, to say, you will not be alone. And not only will you not be alone, but I'm giving you a job to do, to let others know they are not alone. You will receive the power to do this. And you will receive this freaky thing I'm talking about calling the Holy Spirit. It'll make sense to you, but trust me. That's Jesus' response as he's putting on his coat, as he's walking out the door. So let's take our time a little bit to look at this verse. But you will receive power. We've talked about this before. Dynamis. It's where they get the word dynamite, although that's not what Jesus is using this Greek word for here. But you're going to receive this power. You're going to receive strength. You're going to receive ability. You're going to receive miracle. That word miracle, is, as we've talked about many times, is the arrow of whatever we do. It's a sign that points towards God. We're going to be given that ability, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We're going to talk more about this at the very end, 
But this is the freaky part. Well, what's this Holy Spirit that's going to come upon me? What does that mean? Is that I'm going to be possessed? No. That word Holy Spirit is spirit, as we've talked about before, is wind or the breath of God. You will be given the breath of God and it will come upon you. It will be inside of you. It will be next to you. You will not be alone. When you think of Mary and she's being told you're going to have a child, she's like, what? I'm a virgin. Wait, how's this going to happen? He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I know some of you just got very nervous there, especially you dudes. You're like, wait, what? Holy Spirit? Pregnancy? No, it's bigger than that. But it's the same Holy Spirit that was promised to her is what's being promised to us. Luke 24, 49 says this, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is what Jesus is telling them before this moment ever happens. So if we go back, right, they're sitting here at this moment. Jesus is putting on his coat. He's getting ready to go. Before this ever happened, he says, stay in this city, Jerusalem, until you are clothed. So if you want to try to imagine, what's the Holy Spirit like? Imagine it like, like that epic jacket that I donated a few weeks ago, right? Drew Bray's jacket that we put back into circulation. It's like something that covers you. It's like God's presence will cover you. That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. How will you recognize that it's the Holy Spirit? How are you going to know? It's not hidden. It's not a mystery. You will know. And especially you'll know by the actions of God working through you to love others. And we'll get more into that in a little bit and probably more over the next few weeks. And you will, and you will be my witnesses. So this spirit is going to come upon you, and now you're going to be my witnesses. Now you hear that witness, you're in a church, and he said the word witness. I think that means evangelism. I don't do that. I'm not good at that. Or whatever your perception of, what does that mean? What do I have to do to be your witness? The entire book of Acts, it's been called the Acts of the Apostles, what the apostles did. But a better way to look at this and this is really, I think, what it should be called is acts of the Holy Spirit. What God has done. When you look at the entire book of Acts, what happens after he says this, you can see God moving through these unqualified men and women. God doing what needs to be done. They are his witnesses. They are witnessing to him. Sometimes they use words, but most often it's through their actions. And sometimes they're miraculous, and sometimes they're simple. But he's working through his people, and that's how they're witnessing. And what happens too often when we see this call to witness is we think, I've got to go speak to people and tell them about Jesus. And then we think we have to spread ideologies, or we have to spread particular doctrine. Well, I heard at my church this, so I better tell everybody this. That word witness, the best way to look at that, it's like you're a historian. Right? That word specifically is used in the Greek world. They use that word witness for judicial witnessing. When the witness comes up, all they have to share is what they have seen and heard with their own eyes. They don't have to defend themselves. They don't have to defend anybody else. They just have to share what they have seen and heard. Not what they think, not what someone else said, but what they have seen and heard themselves. That's their only purpose. And that's important for us to realize when we see 
Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses. And some of us are going, oh, no, I won't. Or some of us take it too far and we're like, okay. And we start sharing things we have no idea about. And that's usually what happens because we feel this pressure. Like we need to please God, so we need to go and witness for him. God doesn't need us to witness for him. And he doesn't need us to defend him either. And in the same way, if you feel like you have to defend yourself, if you get into that position, then you're looking at witness completely wrong here. Uh, I had a very good friend about uh, quite a few years ago. And she was in court. And so I went to support her. And we were in court. She was assaulted. And... Um, this man was in the orange jumpsuit and he was over to the side. And so her job was just to share what happened to her. I was here at this point. I was running here. This person came out. And then the, her lawyer that was assigned to her was asking her questions to just kind of lay out the situation. Tell me what you saw. Tell me what you heard. Did he touch you? Did you feel anything? What happened here, 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 here? He's just asking questions. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I can handle this. This, this, is, this is how court works. This is my first real time in court. Had several since. So I'm sitting there in this situation, and then they have the defense stand up to cross-examine. And he starts going at this lady and pressuring her. And, and, oh, really? Did you see this? And, I mean, it's not like he's unemotional. He's very emotional in this to the point where I'm getting, well, I can't say the words because then I'd be cussing. It goes on the podcast. We get hassled. So I'm sitting here and I'm just like furious. Now I've never been in court before. So I start to stand up. Like I'm ready to just go. And I was like, is somebody going to do something about this? Because I couldn't believe that this guy was given permission to hassle the victim. And yet the victim is up there just nice and calm. Crying because she had to relive this moment. But she's just sharing the facts. That's all she has to do. She doesn't have to go beyond that scope of what she saw. And I, but yet I'm sitting there going, I've got to defend her. Thank God I didn't stand up because I'm young, stupid. That's when you get arrested yourself. That's when they take the people in the courtroom and they say, be quiet or I'm going to have to send the bailiff to come and grab you. I was so close to getting arrested because I felt like I needed to defend her. And in some ways, often we feel like we have to do that for God. How dare they do this? How dare they say that about my God? God's cool. He can handle it. Your responsibility is to share what you have seen and heard. Don't do more than that. When you do more than that, it's embarrassing because you don't know what you're talking about. And people can see through us when we feel like we have to have answers. Sometimes the best thing you can say is, I don't know. But why this? Why that? Well, what if this thing happened over there and then God didn't show up? I don't know. What I do know, this is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've experienced. That's all you're responsible for. That should set you free. Stay in our lane. So we will be witnesses. Another way to look at being witnesses, this is a, a, a favorite verse of mine. Um, it's from 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. We proclaim to you, another way it says that we're witnessing. We're witnessing to you, the one who existed from the beginning. This is from John, who was one of the disciples, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word 
of life. And as we talked about several weeks ago with the greatest commandment, your job is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the freaky thing. As you love God, you will find yourself blessing your neighbor. And as you seek to love your neighbor, you will find yourself connected and close with God. They work together. And so you could just share what you know. If you're not intimate with the Lord, if he doesn't talk to you all the time, don't try to pretend like he does. Don't tell other people, keep praying and he'll answer. Doesn't answer me, but he's gonna do it for you. Don't say that. You can say, hey, I was with a friend. They said this. I'm I haven't experienced that yet. But God has touched so many of us that we, can, we have a responsibility to share what we have seen and what we have known. And we don't have to be afraid. Like my friend who was up there, there was, although she was crying, she was confident in what she had seen and heard and she was standing firm with what she knew. That's all we have to do. And finish it up here. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's who we're going to be witnesses to. So he's talking to these disciples and the rest of the book of Acts. So what happens here is in, um, uh, from the first seven chapters, right after he says this, till chapter eight, they're in Jerusalem. They haven't left. So he says, you're going to be, it's a promise, you're going to be my witnesses. You know what their witnessing was? They went and hid in a room. They hid up in the room, then the Holy Spirit came upon them. Then Peter went out and started sharing. All of a sudden, people started coming around. And Peter's up there by himself just sharing. This is a fisherman. This isn't a public speaker. He hasn't been trained. In fact, you never see a time where Jesus said, okay, Peter, it's now your turn. I'm here with you. Let's go through this. I'm going to train you along the way, coach you through this. It's like, hey, I got to go. You're up. Peter, no training. Hi, 10,000 of you. I'm going to tell you what I've seen and heard. And that's what he does. He starts sharing what he has seen and heard. And that happens for the first eight chapters. These guys have no idea what they're doing. All they're doing is sharing what they've seen and heard, but they're doing it in Jerusalem, where everybody wants to kill him. And then they go after Stephen, and they actually kill him. And the rest of the disciples are like, I think it's time to go. And we're like, yes, I'm going to fight the good fight, just like the disciples did. The disciples split. They took off. That should encourage you. Where'd they go? Where people weren't trying to kill them. And when they went there, what'd they do? Shared what they had seen and what they had heard. They went and did that. Now I want to take us back to the very beginning of what I shared. They started very alone. They stared at their circumstances and said, this is not cool. You're leaving us? So how did they get to this point? God will get you there. He took them there. He's going to take us there. So here they are. They're going through this situation um, where they're now going to Judea and Samaria. They're enemies with the Samarians. We've talked about the Samaritans. We've talked about that. And into the ends of the earth. So chapters 8 through 11, they're in Judea and Samaria. And then at the end, they're at the farthest most points. They're in Turkey. They're, they end up in Rome. They're out there. This is a promise. So this is our verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And remember the temperature of the room right now. Where are you going? Who are you going to leave with us? When are you coming back? It's okay to feel those things. This is a verse to pull out, to have it deep in your heart. And when God needs to pull it out, because his Holy Spirit's in you, he's going to bring it out. Most of the time when I'm up here teaching, 
I don't have all these verses ready to go. I have the main stuff, and then all of a sudden, these, these, God's Word just starts coming up. Do you think I'm that cool? No. In fact, when I come up here nervous, that's when I know I'm in the best spot possible. When I look at my notes and I'm like, this sermon looks like it's taped together with duct tape. It looks like I'm just going, I hope you fly. That's the best place to be because then I know God is the one that has to carry this. He's the one that has to finish his work. I could see the workers showing up to VBS this whole last week and they're like, ah. and I could just say, cool. That means God's going to show up. That means it's going to work. Because they weren't relying on their own strength, their own power, their own wisdom. They were like, okay, God, you got to do something here because you know that I'm, I'm a hot mess. My brain's not working because I mean, got my notes. Some of them had no notes. Some of them had had 50 notes. Some of them were super organized. Some were flying by the seat of their pants. But it comes back to that reliance, like these disciples, like Jesus is calling them to. Hey, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you power. You don't have any power. You feel alone. You feel like you don't have it. That's normal. I will provide that. But this is a verse that for you to really see Acts 1-8 clearly, I think we need to see this. Because it talks more about the Holy Spirit. What does this mean to have the Holy Spirit? This is what Jesus says before all of this happens. Because he's telling them all the time because he has to remind them. He has to remind them when the fog of pain and fear comes in. When the fog of loneliness comes in and strips everything away, he wants them to remember his words. So that's why he keeps repeating himself. And he says here earlier in John 14, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, if you're looking at your own Bibles in John 14, some of you it's going to say helper. Some of you are going to translate that word counselor. What that word means is it means that the Holy Spirit, this, this, this is how Jesus is defining the Holy Spirit. He's calling him the paraclete, which is, by the way, how Jesus was defined, the paraclete. Para means to come right next to. Isn't that what a counselor does? You ever met with a counselor? And you're like, hey, let me give you all this. And if, if they tell you what their job is, their job is like, I can't, I can't do this for you. All I can do is hold this with you. I can come alongside you. Your advocate, like those lawyers, like, like the one that was there for my friend, his job was to come alongside her, to support her, to encourage her, to help her, to tell her what to say. They're going to do this. This is how you respond. They're going to come this way. You do this. Remember my words. An advocate that comes right alongside or a helper. My... Uh, I have a friend, I told you about it a few weeks ago. I have a friend here at church that I never tell any needs that are going on in my house. Because if I tell him the needs, he's going to start fixing them. So yesterday, he shows up at my house. Was it yesterday? Yesterday or the day before, he shows up at my house. Boom, boom. Actually, it sounded like a little kid. I thought, oh, it's the, kid, the kids from next door. They're coming over. It's really light. Big dude, light knock. Knocks on the door. Hey. I'm like, oh, he's here. He's going to start scoping things out. So I didn't let him in the house. I'm like, thou shalt not pass. And he goes, <laughs> he's older, so he used to have a flip phone. Now he has probably an iPhone 4. I don't know which one it was, one of the older ones. And he didn't have my number. So he's putting in, he's like, so what do we need to do here? I go, nothing, man. Nothing. We're all good here. And we just start joking around. Well, then we go out yesterday, come back, water everywhere. 
So I call, and, and I'm like, okay, I know how to fix this. I'm going to replace that. But you know what? I feel a lot more comfortable because whenever I have to deal with water, I've done those things before. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. You don't want to mess with water. You don't want to mess with mold. So I'm like, call our two plumbers, right? Uh, one's out of town. The other one doesn't get back to me. Man, I got to call that guy. Sure enough, I call the helper. I text him, man, you win. I tried this, tried this, tried that. He goes, I'll see you tomorrow after church. He's coming alongside me. We're going to be under there together in that small little space. That's what the Holy Spirit does. doesn't just do it for you. It walks alongside with you, your helper. And he will give you another advocate, counselor, helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. The Holy Spirit is not for everyone. It's for those who choose to surrender themselves to God. Those who say, I don't have it. God, I don't have everything figured out, but I want to trust you. I give you my life. I will let you be in charge of my life from this point forward. Everything is yours. My identity, my decisions, my time, talent, treasures, it's all yours. And then he gives you the Holy Spirit to help you with that ridiculous claim that you just made. Because you will fail. We're human. We're going to try. But he sends the advocate and the helper to come along and do what? But you will know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. When you feel alone, when you feel like everything is falling apart like those disciples, when you know the temperature of the room is ice cold, remember this. It's not the answer you wanted, but it's the answer. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses throughout the world. Starting locally, starting with those closest to you, and going globally. And all you got to do is share what you've seen and heard and touched. That's all you got to do. And you're going to be able to look back in your life. Some of you can do that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You look back in your life, you're like, I know that good came out of my life, but I'm telling you, it was not me. I don't know how that happened. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you have been given a job. Because this world, this church is filled with broken, lonely people. If you were given permission, you know, like you put a little meat thermometer into the meat and you can tell what temperature it is. If you could put it into another person, put it in through their shoulder and get, I'm not going to get all specific to their heart, this face, you could put it anywhere. If you put it in, you could take the temperature of what's happening inside of them. There's some people that are broken, that are lonely, that are struggling. And you may be feeling that way. And in the midst of that, yet you are still given that gift to bless others. Because you've been given the power to do that. And you've been given the helper, the advocate, the counselor to help you in that task. So that they don't feel alone. That's what the body of Christ is for. And I was sharing this with my buddy, and I'll close with this. We were, I was sharing what I was going to share with you right now. And he said... Uh, as we're going back and forth. He said, you know what struck to me as you were sharing that? 
I'm just thinking about the struggles I have with my wife. When she really gets on my nerves and I really feel alone because I've done something dumb that's separated us or she's done something that's separated us. Or I think of my kids when we don't have that tight relationship. And I think about the people at my church and they're just, really, these are the people at church? Like, aren't we supposed to be better than this? Like the greed and the, the selfishness, seriously, or the people that work. And yet, when I shared with him the story of being lonely, and we talked about the disciples, he said, you know, I complain about it, but I know that feeling. And I've got to stop taking for granted and be thankful for even the people that are difficult because they're people and they're near. You've been given that gift. That's why it's so important for us to be together as the church. Not just sitting here facing the band and facing me, but like Michael said last week, wow, you guys are doing a good job. You, you greet each other. You, you drag this sucker on way longer than I would feel comfortable with. Hopefully it's happening during the week. We had the marriage thing yesterday and just to see people caring for each other. And they all came in just the same way. Like, hi, hey, just me and my spouse. But pretty soon they're hearing other people's stories and they're like, wow, that's really helpful for me. I don't feel so alone. Oh, so your marriage is just as messed up as mine, which means we're not messed up, we're normal. That's awesome. We were meant for each other. We're going to take communion right now. And actually, communion is going to happen over here. So if those serving communion could um, go to their place, someone's going to be here. And I think the other group, other group people are going to be in the very back in the corner. It's called communion because we do it together. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it be a lot more convenient and efficient if as you're walking out the door, we hand you some little bread and a little cup, go here, go have communion by yourself. But that's not how Jesus did it. He did it together with all the disciples, all together. So that's why we do this, because we need each other. And that's part of the way that God works among us with his Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, even though it's right next to you, is also next to other believers. These people that are serving communion, if you've ever done it before here, you know what's happening. They're praying for you. Whether you see it, whether you feel it, doesn't matter. You're not alone. And more importantly, we do this in remembrance of him who told us, you don't need to worry. You don't need to stress. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the helper, fits you like a jacket. And then I'm going to send you out to be my witnesses to the rest of this world that is lonely to let them know this same truth. So if you could stand with me and I'm going to pray for us. The worship team is going to lead us in music that carries us. Prayers that help us with this. Father God, we surrender to you. Over these next few prayers, we ask that you would open our eyes to how much you love us and the call that you put on our life to love others. And give us the strength to do that even when we do not feel strong, Lord. May we hang on to your promise and not our feelings. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, real briefly, I wanted to uh, say that, uh, well, I've been listening to a podcast with Mike Erie a lot lately, and one of the things he was talking about is how the church isn't really good about bringing your ugly here. And so sometimes we come here and we put on a facade and we put on a face because we feel like we're forced to. And there's a lot of people who can't 
or they have a hard time putting that face on. So it's a very, it could be the church where it should be for God, for his people, it can be a very lonely place. And so when we hear these promises sometimes, these promises that he's going to send a helper, we don't believe it's for us because we believe it's for those who've got it all put together, those who have uh, a cool beard and a cool nickname like Boogie. You know, like, you know it's, it's, it's for those people, not those people who have had divorces, uh, abortions, uh, have, had, have been terrible to their kids, have been terrible to their friends, who lie, who are greedy. But these promises are. The, the early church, or the church period, but the disciples, they were freaks. And his promises were for the freaks. His promises were for the people who had it together. His promises are for all of us. So I just wanted to say, if this seems just so out of the ordinary that the spirit is for you as a helper, it's not. It is, well, it is out of the ordinary. It absolutely is out of the ordinary, but it is for you. And God sent these promises for you. So with that being said, I'd uh, close our eyes and pray, Lord God, I pray that we would know deep in our hearts that though we are lonely in the midst of a lot of people sometimes, that we know that you love us and that your promises are for us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, and sending your word to us. Amen.